Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well. So you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is your host, Ryan Pelton, to the Prolific Writer Podcast. However you found us, we are really glad that you're here the podcast dedicated to writing fast, writing often, and writing well. So we want to help you write. We want to help you write fast and often and well, or maybe well and often and fast, however you see it. And that's what this podcast and show is all about. And today we have another amazing guest, Kevin Tumlinson, who is the man, the myth, the legend who drives an RV around America. And that is not a joke. And we will talk about that and his RV adventures. But Kevin is a great guy. He is a podcaster. He is a fiction writer. He's a nonfiction writer. He works for a company called draft to digital. That's draft to digital D2D.com. And we are uh, going to discuss some tools and some things that can help you as a writer to write faster and more often and well. And one of the things that you need to think about as a writer is what kind of tools do you have so that you can spend more time in the chair and spend more time getting those words out and finishing those stories and writing those books. And I found that having the right tools is essential. And draft to digital is a great company that can produce your book, make a beautiful ebook and even print book in some cases and distribute your work, uh, literally around the world, all the big major players, Apple, Nook, Barnes and Noble, Nook and Barnes and Noble, all the same thing, Google play, a bunch of others, you name it. And it's a very wonderful, it's a great company. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, a little bit about marketing in this episode, And Kevin's also going to talk about his own process in writing because he's very prolific. He's written over 30 books 
and written a book on write a novel in 30 days and has some great wisdom and great insight to, to share with us and some of his frustrations and the things he's learned and the things he's changed. And I think you're really going to enjoy this episode with Kevin Tomlinson uh, today. So thanks for tuning in. A couple updates, a couple things going on. I won't take a bunch of your time so we can get to the interview. Uh, been cranking out the words, cranking out the word count, the page count, the book count, all that counting of words and things. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to announce that I have a book coming out called The Boardwalk. It's actually on pre-order if you're listening to this. If you're listening to this, depending when, you might already be out, but February 10, 2017. A book called The Boardwalk. Fun little ditty that I wrote during NaNoWriMo, which is the National Novel Writing Month, where you write 50,000 words in a month. I've been doing that the last five years or so, and and this is one of my NaNoWriMo novels. And uh, it uh, is actually at the editor as I speak, but it is on pre-order. It's getting close to being done. Uh, I got the cover made and all that. So it's coming up really good um, through my little publishing company, Rock House Publishing. Uh, Look for that coming out soon. Uh, It's a fun story. It's about a kind of a coming of age crime thriller with some ghosts and some other stuff in there Um, set in the 1970s. I'm a 70s, born in the 70s, end of 70s, 79. Um, If you want to count, you can figure out my age. Uh, Love uh, California. I'm originally from California and the beach and theme parks and kind of created a setting where this is a, a kid who has a summer job at a theme park in California on, on a beach. And some things happen. Some things happen. Let's just say that, uh, looking for love in all the wrong places and some other crazy stuff goes down. And so, uh, I hope you enjoy the book. Uh, it'll be out soon. Um, it'll be actually be out pretty much everywhere. So, so look for that coming out soon. So that's all I got right now. Um, the only other thing we ask, and you'll hear it again at the end of the show, is please leave a re- review on on iTunes. Uh, that would really help us out a lot. Um, I don't want to beg and plead, but I'm begging and pleading. Uh, and uh, it, it helps people find the show. And we've been really fortunate to have so many people tuning in and tons and tons of downloads. And uh, but we want to keep keep getting the word out. Uh, we just started in December, so. Uh, so yeah, we have a long way to go, but, uh, been fortunate to have some great, great guests and just want to want people to, to hear the show. And it's, uh, not for selfish reasons, but really to help people become writers and to write better and faster and often and, and do it well. And so hopefully the podcast can help them. So with that, leave a review, check us out on, uh, Facebook, on the website, rockhouse publishing slash podcasts, and you can get all the latest podcasts as well. Uh, so hope you're doing well, wherever you are, hope things are great. And, uh, here is Kevin Tomlinson. Enjoy. Well, hey, thanks, uh, Kevin, for coming on the show, and it's uh, really good to have you. And uh, you are recording from an actual RV. That's not metaphor. That's not uh, a joke. That's true. I'm recording on the road, literally, literally on the road. Yeah. So, yeah. so tell tell us a little bit about that because I know I, I heard you a couple of years ago talk about this RV adventure, and yeah. uh, and it just you know, it wasn't happening and, you know, you had the plan and, you know, now it's, yeah. it's finally coming into existence. But I, I want to tell you something that's, um, you're an inspiration to me because when I was in college, uh, I was about to get married 
and I had some buddies that were about to get married, and we had this idea that we were going to get an RV and rent an RV and then go around the country like a month before we were all getting married, and it yeah. never happened. So, <laughs> so all I have now is to live through you. So, oh well. So you know, you that's what I'm here for. Yeah. So tell tell us a little bit how how's that been? What's that like? Um, <clears throat> The ups and the downs, you know, we just talked about internet, how the heck you get internet on that thing. But yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, the, the challenges were um, to start. I mean, and I've told the story a hundred times. So if anybody's heard this before, forgive me. But I mean, you know, one day I'm in my home office. We had a very nice home. We had a very large home. It was a uh, 2,500 square foot. There were, you know, four bedrooms, a study, a dining, uh, you know, formal dining room kind of thing. It was nice. And uh, I had converted spaces into studio and office space. And uh, it was a, actually a very nice space. I kind of miss it at times. But uh, my wife walks in one day. We had discussed this idea uh, early in our marriage, and she just did not like it. Now, something you need to know about my wife that I've only learned after 11 years of, of being with her uh, is that if you plant the seed of an idea and give it time, it will germinate. <laughs> so uh, I planted the seed inadvertently early on in our marriage that I, you know, I'd always kind of dreamt of doing what you talked about, you know, hopping in an RV and traveling and, sure. uh, you know, living on the road for a while. And uh, she did not like the idea at all. But then one day she walks into my office and says, we should sell the house and get an RV and get on the road. <laughs> so now that there are a lot of uh, steps that had to happen in order for us to do that. Um, for example, we had to sell the house, uh, because we were going to use that capital to, to fund the operation because RVs are actually quite expensive. And, uh, the one we're in cost nearly as much as the house we were in. And, uh, so we, we, we spent a year getting the house ready and doing that. And then, uh, we moved into an apartment, uh, got a small RV to do some traveling, get a taste for it, decided we really did like it. And, uh, within the, within the year of living in that apartment, we sort of managed to sort of lucked into it, but I mean, we managed to find the RV that we were actually looking for and, uh, we did a trade and we, we got in now we weren't on the road yet. We were still in the apartment. Uh, we still had some time on the lease for starters, but we also had to prepare because there are things that you don't think about <laughs> if, if you're unplugging and going remote, uh, full time, there are considerations, you know, my income has always been mobile. So that's, that's been great. The book's, help uh working with draft to digital has helped um you know i i have businesses on the side so you know i have nice steady flows of income my wife not so much yet uh but we're working on that so the challenges were things like how do we get internet you know uh because we like to stream everything we don't like you know cable or satellite nearly every campground you're in has cable so as a last resort we have something we can watch but you know there are programs that we like to watch that we can only get stream them. Uh, so that was a challenge. Um, having constant always on internet is also important when you're podcasting the way I do. And I have, you know, half a dozen podcasts um, <laughs> that I host or co-host or appear on at any given time. And, uh, you know, most of my work, well, no, I'm going to just say a hundred percent of my work is done, uh, online. So, you know, that was the biggest challenge was to find something. And we did, we found something that was kind of cool. Uh, but other challenges were downsizing, you know, reducing our footprint, getting rid of some stuff, storing some things, but you know, we still want to clear out as much as possible. We like this idea of, of being a bit more minimalist, you know, 
Uh, we're even thinking of downsizing the RV, actually. <laughs> so, you know, there were little challenges like that. So it, it took about, uh, I'd say, two years. Let's say two years solid mm-hmm. from the time she walked into my office to the time we actually moved in. And uh, we've done some traveling. Now the goal is um, untethering. We want to untether her from Houston area, whatever that's going to look like. We're working on that. Uh, so that, that these little trips we take are not just, you know, road trips. They're actually, we can go spend, you know, six months in a place if we feel like it. We can completely re- relocate every month if we want. And that's 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 the next phase. <laughs> well, hey, I think it's great. I, I, you know, I think there's so much. Um, I was just actually listening to your episode uh, a while back on the Wordslinger podcast with um, yeah. – with uh, Michael Bunker and, uh, yeah. you know, Michael living off grid and I've been following him too and just really enjoy his, his writing and, you know, his sci-fi, Amish sci-fi. And, um, yeah. but you know, yeah. he's very open about that and talks about that. And, and what's interesting about him and what's interesting about you too, I think is that this idea that he's not dependent on, you know, huge sales from his books because he lives off the grid and because they produce right. their own food and they, they're trying to make their right. fo- footprint smaller. And I think there's some wisdom in that. I, I think, you know, my wife and I actually just, and we have three kids, but we moved into a, actually it's funny. We actually moved into a bigger house, but it's the, the mortgage is about a third, maybe a fourth of the cost. And yeah, so, you know, you it's, do. it's in the hood, but you know, that's, that's what we feel called to and, <laughs> and that, but, but, you know, as a writer like that, that frees up a lot of capital and it frees up, right. you know, the ability to do things that we weren't able to do and, and not live with this, this pressure or this sense of, you know, I got to write the next New York times bestseller or we're going to be sleeping right. in the car, you know? Um, right. And so anyway, so, Hey, uh, what a, what a cool story. We can probably talk more or probably talk a lot about that, but, um, I want to just get into a little bit. Um, you had thrown out a, the idea of talking about draft to digital, which I think is a great yes. um, company. And, um, and you are the, what's your official title with draft to digital? So I am the director of marketing for draft to digital. And, uh, that was a position that did not necessarily exist uh, before I, I came on board. Um, and I had reached out to Dan Wood, who, who, you know, if you listen to author podcasts, you've heard him at some point because he's been on all the same shows I've been on, but including my show. He's been on my show at least once. But uh, I, I had kind of struck up a relationship with him and gone back and forth with him. And, you know, I knew this whole thing was coming up. And there were two motivations for me at a minimum to – uh, one, you know, I was looking for a publishing related company that I could do some work with. And I, I'm a big fan of draft digital beyond working for him. I was always a huge fan. Uh, I talked to him up all the time, which is how they noticed me. Um, every time unbeknownst to me, every time I mentioned draft digital on a podcast somewhere, you know, Dan was actually marking the time and sending it to everybody in Slack <laughs> within the company and saying, you know, at, at Three minutes in, Kev, you know, talks up draft to digital. So I was already a, a raving fan of the company before I ever came on board. And I had approached him about the idea of uh, if you guys ever need some help with marketing, let me know because that's um, you know that's part of what I do, and you know I have a, a business built around that, and I understand your space. You know, I'm, as an indie author, I understand your market, and uh, I kind of thought of it as you know just. A little bit of extra, you know, work and income here and there uh, as we traveled, which was what I was aiming for. <clears throat> and then I was approached by those guys, uh, and they understood my mobile lifestyle. They understood what we were going to do, and they were all on board with it and uh, decided to 
to make me an offer. They wanted me to kind of become the voice of the company, the, the face of the company, and uh, help you know push them out there to people who may not have heard of them. And it's been a great fit. I mean, it, you know, in a lot of ways, I tell people this all the time. Uh, in multiple ways, draft to digital helped me to accomplish a dream, which was to get on the road while I while I wrote my books and, and published and uh, did the podcasting and all that stuff. Uh, in multiple ways, through book sales and through uh, uh, working with them directly. So, well, it's been an adventure. <laughs> well, I know, I know that I'm I'm naive to what people know and what people um, use as far as tools for writing yeah. and publishing. And so, tell us a little bit about Draft to Digital, what it actually is, because I know there's okay. many. I've mentioned it to many people, and they're like, "Oh, what's that?" You know, and and I, you know, try to promote it too. But yeah, tell us a little bit. What what do you actually do? Well, that's, that's just a sign I'm not doing my job. Yeah, you're not doing your job. You're telling me. <laughs> so here's here's the breakdown. Uh, draft to digital. Um, first and foremost, we're an aggregator. We take uh, your your manuscript, <clears throat> and we actually have a conversion tool that's absolutely free. You don't even have to use us for distribution. You can use our our uh, conversion tool to to uh, convert your Word document into a uh, an EPUB or .mobi file. Okay. And Mobi is what uh, Amazon uses for the Kindle. EPUB works virtually everywhere else. So we have a conversion tool, and we also do distribution to all the major retailers. So you can upload your manuscript in one place, and then we'll distribute it to everyone you choose. You you can choose everyone by default if you, if you like, or just pick and choose the companies you uh, you want us to work with. Some authors like to go direct to Kobo, for example, so they'll deselect Kobo, but offer their book up through uh, through us to everyone else. <clears throat> so, you know, we help in that aspect of things. We get you into an international market, which is difficult for some authors. Um, not it, it, It's difficult because all the requirements are, are always different. <laughs> it's a lot of work to go through and, you know, enter your, your book descriptions and cover and uh, metadata and all this stuff that you have to do with every and everyone's got a different process and a different dashboard and then it's equally difficult to track the progress uh, so you your books out there being sold but you know you have to check 50 different vendors to to see how your sales are doing and then you got to track that in like a spreadsheet or something and you know authors should not have to mix with spreadsheets if they don't want to and <laughs> that's our firm belief right. so we do nice beautiful graphs and uh, a nice easy dashboard um, so those are our two that's the two sort of main things draft to digital does for authors but the the great thing about this company is uh, first of all it was founded one of the three founders was himself an indie published author, Aaron Pogue. Uh, he's, he was successful at it. He, he wanted to be. Uh, he wanted a, tools that were easier to use. He wanted a, a, a better way to look at his sales, and so he built one. <laughs> and you know, so we actually have. We were founded by authors. We staff authors, at, at least a couple. Uh, everyone else who isn't an author is an expert on the publishing industry. So you know, we we've built this resource. With this primary goal, because authors were involved from the beginning, authors are in the, the DNA of the company, indie publishing is in the DNA, and we build everything we build specifically to help the author, and we don't charge the authors for anything. Um, the only way we make any money at all is from a, uh, a royalty cut. We take 15% from the royalty, and uh, 
if you start figuring it out, you actually see that it's the same. You know, you pay 10% anyway. Mm-hmm. So we're we're only really making about 5%, but there's a 15% cut from the uh, from uh, individual book sales, and that, that's all the money we ever make from the service. And we're constantly building new tools, like uh, Universal Book Links, for example. That's a, an amazing tool that was the first thing I, I had a hand in launching when I came on board. And uh, if I had had nothing to do with it at all, I still would think this was the most amazing tool out there. <laughs> and I could talk that up if you'd yeah. like. No, that's, it's amazing. It's basically a link that takes you to Amazon, to iBooks, to Nook, to Kobo, every, you Anywhere name it. Anywhere online that your book is sold, even if we don't distribute to them, every online retailer, um, all you do is copy and paste a link from, from anyone, from Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & whatever, copy the link from your book uh, to your book, drop it into the Universal Book Links uh, little conversion box. I, I, they're going to kill me because I didn't get that right. Uh, the Make My Universal Link box on books2read.com. Hit that button, and it'll go out and search. Based on the metadata, it will search for every place that book is sold. And if we miss one, which sometimes happens because you'll have uh, bad metadata or something, there'll be a glitch, you can just cut and paste uh, that link into your uh, results and add it and you're good you can add any bookstore you like so it's it's a it's one it's what's very convenient about that is is the simple fact that if i'm marketing i can create one link um it's free you don't even have to register by the way you, you can use this without registering you get certain benefits when you do register like uh you can customize the url for example or see the data, you know, see how many clicks a storefront gets, that sort of thing. Um, but I can create this one link and customize it. Now I have books2read.com slash medallion, for example. And I can put that link anywhere, even on, like, you know, I'm planning to put, like, a magnetic sign on the side of the, of the uh, RV uh, <laughs> to start advertising my books. But um, if, if for some reason I decide to pull my books from everyone but uh, Kobo, or Apple, or whatever, or I add new stores, or I take stores away, or whatever, I never have to change that URL. I, all I have to do is go update it on mm-hmm. Books to Read. And so it really streamlines marketing. Oh, man, it saves so much time. And, you know, you said something about bad metadata, and everybody knows when you have bad metadata, penicillin is always the cure. So, That's exactly right. So if That's anyone exactly. is listening, just... <laughs> um, no, I I will say I am a user of Draft to Digital, and at the moment I I uh, I've done fiction and nonfiction through uh, Draft to Digital, and I will say it has saved me. So when I didn't know what I was doing, and I still don't, but you know, six years ago, trying to put up books on all these different sites was an absolute right. nightmare, and right. it is so easy. Um, there was this company, um, I think uh, I won't use the real name, but it sounds like Bash Words, and it yeah. it. Um, I tried putting my book through that bash words and it was horrible. I mean, the, the aggregator, the, no offense, but, um, but it it just was not a clean copy and it was just, I wanted to stab myself in the eye with a pen. And I think I I had a very similar experience. So did, so did Aaron Pope, (laughs) one of our founders. Uh, a lot of authors do. Um, and I, it's very difficult, uh, I never want to bash those guys because what they created opened up the industry that oh, you yeah. Know, yeah. we're now a part of. But, uh, you know, it's, it, it is not a fun experience. And I, I no. think 
I think they would agree. <laughs> but, you know, there were requirements I didn't like. Like, I didn't like, I don't like having to put their name in the copyright page of yeah. my book. Yeah, that's weird. You know, that's just, uh, it's not just weird, it's just wrong. No. Like, <laughs> you don't get any rights to my book just because you're the platform it's published through. Yep. Um, yeah, they so, have their own reasons for that. Yeah, so though. Draft Individual, you don't have to put their name on it. You don't have to put, it's your book. Uh, they're just helping you behind the scenes, um, yeah. providing you all the tools. You know, one of the things we I was saying before we came on the air, Kevin, is, you know, the Prolific Writer podcast is really to say, how do we help writers write right. faster, often, and better? And, yeah. <laughs> um, and having tools where you're not just banging your head against the desk and saying, how am I supposed to get all these books out in the world? I, I don't have the time to do it. I need to be writing my next book. Right, this, right. This is, I mean, this saves you hours and hours and hours yes. of time and you're getting a beautiful product it's not just the time but you're you actually have a good product and you do all the the grunt work and get yeah. it into the stores and then if you want to like for me i know i've changed stuff it's so easy to change and edit and take this one down put this one up you know change the back matter change this like it, it's it can take you literally minutes right and and that's uh, that's beautiful we always, I, you know, it, it takes like ten minutes to to go from you just started an account to you just published your book. Um, you know, it, it can take you know a day or so for the book to to populate on on different services, but that's outside of us. You know, yep. it's submitted <laughs> now. It's up to Apple and Barnes and Noble. But you mentioned like in matter and that sort of thing. Um, we actually one of our tools. One of the great things about our conversion tool is that. Um, First of all, it's perfectly clean. Like it works on all devices. We know because we buy all the devices and we test it. <laughs> um, and we we take all the junk code that you know Microsoft Word and other programs might insert in the sort of background of your document. We take all that junk out. It's a nice, clean, perfect EPUB. But uh, you kind of hinted at this, but you can actually have all of your um, front matter and end matter stuff auto populated. So, like, we'll create an also-buy list, for example, where uh, every book you've published through us is automatically added to this list with links. And we, you can decide to put that in your book either in the front, back, or both. Uh, there's, you know, you can do your author bio that way. You can do your uh, – you can do a sort of pitch for your next book. So, in particular, I like doing this in series. But, you know, if you have book one – and book two is out, you can actually have a preview of book two in the back of the book, and we'll generate that for you, uh, complete with a cover and everything. So there's all these little perks to, to using the service. And then the, the coolest part to me is that you can get all the way to the part where you download those uh, that EPUB and that Mobi and even like a PDF. And then if you decide, you know what, I want to go direct <laughs> mm -hmm. rather than use us, which we'd prefer you use us, but... Mm -hmm. um, you can do that, and it doesn't cost you a thing to convert your manuscript. So tools like that, like, you know, if you want to be a prolific writer, this takes so much of the headache of, uh, you know, the the back end of your work. You know, you can concentrate on producing the manuscript, and then we'll take care of all the other details for you. Mm -hmm. Now, I did take one book down, and someone did show up to my house one time. That was – I don't know if that was Anomaly or um, – but other than that, it's been pretty pretty smooth. Yeah. I think it was was it oh, you? Was I saw an RV very, kind of lurking in the front yard. I don't know. I literally moved into an RV so that I could travel from <laughs> house to house. Yeah, you <laughs> took your book down. 
Yeah, we really don't mind that. Of course, we want you to use us because it means we make a profit. Sure. Um, but we couldn't. One of the things, and it's it's funny because every now and then the marketer in me gets into a kind of a headbutt with um, our CEO. Our CEO is Chris Austin. Uh, he's a fantastic guy. He's a programmer at heart. Uh, that, that's how he started his professional life. And uh, we don't actually get into a headbutt or anything. It's just that I'll one or the other of us will make a suggestion and our instincts kick in. So my instinct is always like, how can we leverage this thing to make a profit? And his instinct is always to remember that, you know, one of our primary uh, goals is to provide things that are useful to the author and never charge the author directly. Um, there will probably be services that we can create that are more profit gen kind of stuff. But, you know, the, the, the things that are at the core of draft digital, we'll always keep as free because that's, it, it helps the author. <laughs> so, well, and that, and that's, uh, I mean, again, not, not to say, you know, pick, you know, looking at other companies, but you really have that as the, it is author driven. It's, it's, yeah. it's about, it's not about you, even you, it's about us and, right. and saying, we, we want you to get your workout. We want it to be a less headache and yeah, we'll make our money, but, but the reality is it, it's not about that. And I, I think that really comes through. Um, the process is, is so easy. And yeah. so, so check them out if you haven't, I mean, if you're just hearing this for the first time. Um, so let's, let's follow that trail a little bit because this is the question of all questions. Yep. And one I struggle with too is going wide versus going narrow. Obviously, um, there's this. I guess there's this website called Amazon that I've heard about. I guess the, all the kids yeah. are into it, and um, you know, it's 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 not really a book business, but it's it's one of the biggest search engines in the world. And, right. and so, you know, going KDP Select, being exclusive to them versus Kobo versus Barnes and Noble versus iTunes, etc. or right. Apple. Um, Talk a little bit about because I know in your own publishing career and your own writing career is um, you do do you do a little bit of both um, or do you do mostly go, go wide? Um, yeah, I do a little bit of both. Okay. Uh, it is mostly wide at this point. Okay. But, uh, because my yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was gonna I was gonna say there's a there's a kind of strategy that uh, evolved over time for me, and then I recommend to other authors. So the people are generally surprised when I tell them I actually think you should go and be exclusive to Amazon. And, but there are conditions. Um, I, if you are new, like you're just starting out, I think Amazon is the environment for you for, for brand spanking new indie authors who've only got one title out or maybe two, um, going to into KDP select is a, a great way for you to get momentum going. Uh, you can start to build an audience. So you can put CTAs in your book that, that get people to go join your mailing list, for example. You can, you know, um, you, uh, you can make some money. If you get into KDP Select, you can get into that fund, which allows you to make money from page reads. Um, so that's, there are those benefits, right? Um, it also is a great way to sort of cut your teeth as, as a business owner. Uh, for the first time in your life, probably, you know, you're not working for someone else directly. You're you're working for yourself, and so you're responsible for all the pins, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you here's the place to experiment with covers, to experiment with book descriptions, to experiment with the style and format of the book. I mean, this is where you can do it with relatively little harm uh, coming to you. You can still make money while you're learning the ropes. Mm -hmm. um, 
I the caveats there are Amazon is is and always will be the master of its own domain, right? At any given time, Amazon can and often has <laughs> changed the rules so that when uh, the thing that you're doing that, that is working so well for you um, that you come to rely upon, suddenly that goes away, uh-huh. you, you have no recourse, uh-huh. okay? So um, the, the caution that I give people is don't go into Amazon's KDP Select program thinking this is where my life is for the rest of my career, this is my career, uh, because you're you're putting all those eggs in a very unstable basket. Um, it's hard to argue that with some people. I know people personally who are making a fortune from KDP Select, okay? And the bubble looks like it's never going to burst. <clears throat> I I believe it will, and but that's, you know, you're going to have to take all these opinions with a grain of salt. But what I would recommend is that you start using and utilizing tools that uh, will allow you to go wide rapidly in the event that something does happen and get your marketing out there uh, a little broader than, than just Amazon. And then that'll help you. So the strategy would be start, start out on KDP select. If you've only got one or two books and then start writing as many books as you can. Once you've got a volume of books and you're, you're making some decent money on Amazon, I would use the 80, 20 rule. I would look for the books that are making you know, 80% of your income. Uh, and then I would take a look at the, the ones that are only in the 20% category and I would start migrating those over to other platforms. Okay. So you keep the bulk of your revenue, but you go wide. Um, and in marketing, I would use tools like universal book links because, um, if you're, if all your marketing uses that link, it means that when you do decide to go wide, you don't have to go out and restart your marketing. You can keep experimenting and keep trimming the marketing you have until you've got some momentum. And then people click on that universal book link. And if they choose Amazon, you know, as their preferred store, that's where they were going to buy the book anyway. But as time goes by and more and more storefronts become open, you don't have to change a thing about what you're using for marketing materials. Uh So you're already aiming at a wider market. Uh I would always think in terms of how do I go as wide as possible with the marketing, even if you are exclusive on distribution, uh-huh. because th- that's where things fall apart for everybody. <laughs> I would rather get, in fact, it's a great thing if you start getting a um, hundred or a thousand emails from from disgruntled potential readers who say, "I tried to buy your book, but it's only available on Kindle, and I don't read on Kindle." That's a pretty good sign. You should probably start branching out. <laughs> right. So, uh, if nothing else, go wide with your marketing right from the beginning. Right. Now, do you, from your experience, um, you know, you've been around a lot of authors, a lot of writers. Um, is there any data on fiction versus nonfiction? Uh, going narrow versus going wide, Amazon only versus uh, going wide. Um, I mean, success versus no success. I mean, I've yeah. I've done a little bit of both, you know, wide and exclusive on nonfiction and fiction. Um, I, I can't really say either way. Um, but any yeah. any thoughts on that? So uh, we do have numbers, and I and I'm going to apologize because I would any number I give you would have to be completely made up at this point. But sure. just I will say in general terms, uh, made up because I don't have it right in front of me. Yeah, I don't need exact <laughs> numbers, but yeah. But we have some reports, including a report that we commissioned from Data Guy, um, whom you may know from the author earnings report. Uh-huh. Uh, 
Um, he works with Hugh Howey quite a bit, but uh, we commissioned a couple of reports from him as well. And so, you know, we do have some data on this um, on various aspects of the business. Uh, at least one source that I have seen personally, um, probably not from Data Guy, <laughs> uh, shows that, that um, nonfiction is uh, tends to do a little better on Amazon than it does anywhere else. Um, I think there's a, there are reasons for that though. Nonfiction, uh, it works really well with this whole lead magnet concept, for example. Mm-hmm. Most books do, but nonfiction in particular does because, uh, that audience is sort of, has been trained for decades to think in terms of what do I get for free in order to get in on your, um, ecosystem. Um, but also eBooks and nonfiction don't mesh very well. Uh, nonfiction tends to like to have a lot of charts and you know, lots of inline graphics and things like that, and that stuff gets kind of warped and skewed because of the nature of the ebook. You know, ebooks are meant to be resized on different readers, so you can't control the format. Um, so Amazon, uh, the Kindle, and that sort of thing, uh, it, it's a little more universal. <laughs> you know, more people are reading on that device or on that app. And so, uh, there's, there's a tendency for you to be able to format directly for that. We can help with that sort of thing, but it's, it's dicey. So, um, I don't have, I wish I had the exact numbers, uh-huh. but in terms of like fiction, you know, romance is King. Um, I did read, now I do have this number that 55% of all romance eBooks uh, released worldwide were uh, indie published, and then eleven percent were from a Kindle imprint. <laughs> so sixty-six percent of all, because Kindle imprint, let's face it, is still indie. Uh, so sixty-six percent of all romance ebooks released worldwide were were indie published which doesn't speak very well for the traditional world, unfortunately. Uh, but it does tell you quite a bit that there's a, there's a, there's a growing number of, uh, especially romance ebook readers uh-huh. out there. Well, I, you know, I was thinking too, like nonfiction with Amazon, if you're exclusive, you know, KDP, I don't know if KDP readers are necessarily saying, I want to devour yeah. hundreds of nonfiction books. It seems like it, it does kind of lean maybe towards, I mean, I'm a KDP guy, but yeah. um, as far as, uh, you know, I read a ton of fiction, but I don't. I don't usually think about nonfiction. I may pick up a title here and there, um, yeah. But, but it's a lot. You know, you can get some good deals on fiction, and so I just was wondering. You know, just I don't have. That's my own theory, but um, yeah. You know, you got those whale readers that well, just devour fiction compared to like yeah. Let's let's just take let's just take um, our group uh, as an example, though, as a as a microcosm, and we may be a little skewed, but you know, indie authors tend to buy more of their nonfiction through uh, Kindle. Uh, for the for the mostly because it's it's more available there, um, but we're just sort of that's our default, right? There are tons and tons and tons of indie author centric nonfiction books available in Kindle Unlimited, and uh, that's because that's where we are. <laughs> so you know we know that that's where we are. I mean, instinctually or otherwise, we know that's where we are. So I think that right now that's the market. Now we want to change that. I mean, we're uh, clearly we do, but um, you know, uh, draft digital. We're we're working very hard to find solutions to some of the common problems of for nonfiction authors, uh-huh. um, like 
rescaling, resizing, that sort of thing. There's there's little things that we're trying to solve, um, and we're constantly working on that. And once once that nut's cracked, I think you're going to see a proliferation of nonfiction to other distribution channels. Um, there's plenty out there already, and if you keep your book, you know, if you don't do fancy stuff, we'll say, <laughs> with your book, uh, it it'll do just fine. I I am an advocate, by the way. I believe firmly. If you're a nonfiction author, you you definitely 100% should be wide right from the beginning. And the reason is um, you want your work that, – that work in particular needs to appeal to a broader audience than just Amazon has to offer. You need to be able to reach out worldwide into markets Amazon doesn't touch. Uh, but you need to go where your market is. And frankly, I don't believe that Amazon alone is enough of that market. I think you've, you've got way more options. You hinted toward it earlier that you know that we're missing out on the international markets that just keep opening up, right. and and it's funny as English speakers as we forget that you know English is spoken around the world, and and right. you know there's these markets that are opening up that you know your nonfiction fiction book that you'll never get into. I mean Kobo, like for example, it's it's mainly non-U.S. buyers. Right. I mean it's Canada, right. it's Europe, it's you know, and so they're they read too, you know, and everybody yeah. reads, and so. Um, so I, yeah, I think there's just just this endless opportunity, you know, by starting to think about how do we kind of strategize, um, you know, what what would you say, you know, just specifically? I mean, when you say you know get your volume of books up, I mean, are you talking like five books before you go wide, ten books? I mean, is it more sales? I mean, I know you probably can't give a hard number, but I mean, what do you no, think? Is a lot follow, of books. It is going to vary. It's going to vary depending on the type of book you're writing, the mm-hmm. type of author you are, not just you know your genre, but you know how how much do you enjoy the marketing process? Um, if you don't enjoy marketing at all, KDP Select is probably for you. Uh-huh. Like if you have no desire to market at all uh-huh. and no budget to market to pay someone else to do it, uh-huh. I would stick with KDP Select because uh, the only way you're ever going to succeed wide is if you're willing to get out there and start marketing your work. Uh-huh. Okay, and marketing is is one hundred percent, not one hundred percent. We'll say ninety percent about um, increasing your odds. Okay, that's what marketing is for. It's about increasing your odds of exposure. Um, there are other aspects uh, that fall in that remaining ten percent, and they vary in their strengths as well. But you are your goal um, in going wide is is to uh, extend your reach and make yourself available, make you your your book an opportunity for as many readers as possible. Um, you asked me a specific question, though, and I think I'd let it slip. Just about just about volume, <laughs> you know. When you're you're kind of deciding, okay, right. it's oh, time yes. to, it's time to go wide. What's you know volume? Are we talking fifty books? We're we talking five? We're we talking no, yeah, yeah. I, I think um, if you've got three books, I think you you could choose to go wide. Mm-hmm. That that's where that variable comes in, though, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're planning to write an entire epic fantasy series. Uh, you might want to wait until you've got a larger chunk available and you've got reviews and you've got you know you've got an audience before going wide because uh, staying select with with that will help you earn the income you need while you're chur- you know churning out those words sure right but uh, I still would focus on a wide centric um, marketing plan though um, but if you have three books and you, you know you're you're doing pretty well with them, you know. You've got readership. You've you've got people who actually leave reviews, who actually comment and share your work on your behalf, and that sort of thing. Then uh, that's a, to me, that's a time to go wide. Uh, I think you definitely need to do it 
when you have more than one book, unless somehow you've written The Martian um, and uh, or something akin to it, and you've just got a raving fan base, um, I think the metric is always going to be the readers. Yep. Spend it, you know, you spend your time nurturing relationships with as many readers as many readers as possible, and uh, once you've kind of, you'll know the threshold. I mean, you. You know the 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 common wisdom is that if you have a thousand raving fans, you can make a living with your work, which I I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you've got you know a thousand raving fans only on Amazon, that's problematic. Mm-hmm. If they're out there also evangelizing for you mm-hmm. and spreading the word about you, you know, uh, and you've got the momentum of say twenty, thirty, forty thousand readers, um, I think that that's a definite sign you should be going wide. Yeah, and I've you know the, another thing I think people don't think about too is some of the the marketing sites or you know companies that help promote your work is they they actually prefer wide. Um, yeah, I've heard that with BookBub and some others that they right. you, know, you can do it if you're just Amazon, but they do prefer if you're kind of everywhere and you do have reviews and you do have you know some spread, and so you know that's something to consider too. Yeah, uh, BookBubs have made and and created careers for authors for for quite a while now, and I. I have a sort of love-hate relationship with BookBub because I can't seem to land one to save my mother's life. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's just the way it is. Yep. You know, I've tried for a couple of years now. Um, but if you can get one, they're great. However, I think too many people put too much stock in it. Um, if you can get one early on, that's fantastic. It, it will help your career. I've never talked to an author who's gotten a BookBub who didn't tell me they made back what they spent and more. So if you're spending four or five, eight hundred dollars, twelve hundred dollars, whatever it takes, you're going to make that back um, if you handle it right. But the the downside is all the you know all the tries, all the you know it, it kind of it, it bruises the old ego for a while when you're not when you're submitting and not getting it. And I think that too many people put too much pressure on themselves to get that too early in the process. Uh-huh. I think you should work on instead building up a readership, building up momentum as an author, and then worry about the book bubs and stuff. Um, yeah, I think it's if people are looking for the golden ticket, you know, and uh, yeah, and that's, get, it's not yeah, that's not it and there is no golden ticket. Right. I mean, your golden ticket is the work you're putting into it, you know. Uh-huh. You got to figure out how to manage your time, you got to figure out how to put the words on the page and then how to do the marketing and it's 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 painful. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know. Well, why don't we uh, why don't we transition into um, you are an author, obviously, and written a lot of books, and um, really starting to read some of your work and really enjoying it. And um, you've written some nonfiction too, and and wrote a book about writing a novel in thirty days, and yeah. um, write some fiction as well. Um, but you know, one of the things we love to talk about on this show too is just some of some of your process, how writers write, yeah. get the words on the page. Um, I mean, you have what do you have now? Like thirty things out there at yeah. least. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously, that didn't happen overnight. Um, but How do you know? Well, I mean, I mean, <laughs> it was at least two. It took at least two weeks. But um, right. you know, those little guys in India were turning them out for you. But um, <laughs> right. Um, right. but, but uh, yeah, talk a little bit about. I know you like to write about that on your blog too. Your blog's yeah. kind of neglected now, but um, um, yeah, it's yeah, neglect. But yeah. you know, but your, I, your books I've and started, your posts and 
Yeah, I'm writing a lot more on like Medium and other places, so my right. blog is kind of the redheaded stepchild now. Yeah. Well, and you have you know <laughs> ni- 19 podcasts to talk about creativity and true, writing true. and things. So um, I've been maybe really... I should just retire the blog. I, I, yeah. I don't think it's benefiting me much anymore. Right. So. I know I have kind of a love hate with mine too. So I feel you. Yeah. But um, but yeah, let, let's talk about kind of you know this idea of being prolific, this idea of getting words on the page. Right. What are you kind of learning al- along the way as far as the pro- your process? You know what that looks like for you um, yeah. and mindset and all that kind of stuff. You know, I used to, I used to have this like elaborate system that I tried to maintain to, to make sure I was keeping track of everything I had to do. Um, as far as putting words on the page, I mean, it's a discipline, you know I mean? It's, it's get up and, and do it. No one likes to hear that. Um, right, right. It's work. <laughs> it, but it, it is, it, it's work and it, you have to treat it, you know, the turning point for me in uh, producing work you know, because my first book I wrote, it took me nearly two years to write. It took me ne- nearly two years to write the second book in that series. It took me nearly two years of procrastinating and dreading the whole thing to even start the third book in that series. And it was at that point that I, I you know, I started listening to podcasts and I started reading uh, books on not just craft, but on the business of being an author. I started thinking in terms of if I want to do this, I, this is a business. It has to be. If I don't treat it like a business, I'm never going to get to where I want to be. Um, I am one of those authors who has always loved the idea of self-publishing. I've considered tradi- – I've had a traditional contract. I've considered going back. I'm still thinking about it. I wouldn't turn a contract down, I think, I, unless it was horrible. Um, but I I liked the idea of controlling the flow of my work. And so if I was going to do that, I was going to have to be a business owner. And uh, I was not treating this like a business. You know, most businesses don't succeed very well if they only put out a product on a whim. You know, <laughs> every couple of years, uh, I'll make another product. Uh, I had to get into a more streamlined sort of uh, almost a factory mindset. Like, how do I make myself a book factory? And so um, I developed a process, which I eventually I uh, elaborated on in 30 Day Author. But, you know, sit down and, and, uh, and put your words down. But you got to get yourself to that point. I, I used things like writing daily affirmations and journals and blog posts and that sort of thing to, to get myself into the habit of writing every day. And uh, once I kind of get that habit going, the momentum going, then I transitioned into fiction. And uh, I started putting, you know, uh, I gave myself a word goal every day. I have to write... You know, it started off as 500 words, and then it was a thousand, and then eventually it was, you know, 2,500, and then it was 5,000 for a time. And right now it's back to like 2,500 because um, I like having a life outside of the writing. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, that's all. That's all. De- that's head game. You know, that's all discipline. That's all sitting down and deciding this is what I want. So this is how I get to it. Um, the mechanics of everything else, though. You know, I've got all the podcasts. I've got the marketing work, not just my marketing work, but drafted digitals, you know, and I've got task after task after task and task creep will eat you alive. Uh, so I had to come up with all kinds of ways to manage this. And I was I've, I've used tools like Asana, uh, Trello, you know, I've used all these different tools and they are great tools. I love them. Uh, but they caused me so much stress <laughs> because I just, I, as much as I love them, I also love, I value autonomy and uh, the ability to dictate my own schedule, right? 
So having a task list with a, with a bunch of deadlines on it was stressing me out. And then one day I realized that um, a good friend of mine and a, a co-host on one of, on one of our podcasts and a fellow he's a uh, co-author with me on a series. But my friend Nick Thacker uh, quoted someone that I never remember. I, I only remember Nick saying this. Uh, he's told me a thousand times who the originator was. But the comment was, if it isn't on the calendar, it doesn't get done. And I, as much as I don't like having my schedule dictated to me, um, that advice has always resonated with me. And so I actually have ditched all the complicated and cool and well-designed tools that are out there in favor of the Apple calendar, <laughs> which just syn- syncs up with my Google calendar, and the Apple uh, reminder app, okay, which is like a task app. Um, I, and so I, my process now is I, as things occur to me as tasks that need to be done, I go into the app either on my phone or on the, the laptop or whatever, and I create a task item for that. And I've got several different task lists. I've got a task list for draft to digital I've got one that's dedicated to podcasts. I've got one that's dedicated to um, personal tasks. Uh, we have our grocery list on there. There's all kinds of stuff. My wife and I share these things, right? Uh-huh. I'll create these tasks, and I don't put dates on them. Um, I will sometimes put the priority thing on there, like this is high priority, because it puts little exclamation points by it. Uh-huh. So I know that's something I need to do next. But... Um, what I do now that works so well for me and it might work for others is every morning I get up and, uh, as I'm, I go through my day, I journal, I do all my stuff. And then once I'm at a point, I'm sorry for all the road noise. I told you I was literally, it makes it, Uh, the show more awesome. We're not moving by the way. We're just, (laughs) um, but, uh, I, I go through after I've gotten to the point where I'm ready to start my actual business day. Uh, I've, I've done all my writing. Everything's done. The, the daily stuff is done. I look at my reminders and my calendar side by side, and then I pick the events that the the count the reminders the tasks that I know that I can accomplish that day, and then I put them immediately on the calendar. So, you know, and you can set times uh, alerts and things in that reminders app and i'm sure there are equivalents by the way for windows and android and all that i know there are i just don't use that that's i'm all apple right yep. but uh I, t- I i move that task essentially to the calendar um i generally try to keep my tasks for the day under five because if you start getting more than that you know that's that's when task creep starts to eat you up right so i i, I try to use that process and you know nick has a whole like he uses the grid thing, you know, like the quadrants, you know, mm-hmm. Im- important but not urgent, urgent, <laughs> but, you know, whatever. And I've tried that. Uh, it doesn't work for me. And right. uh, I advise everyone to, to try a little bit of everything until you uh, find the thing that does work for you. But what works for me is having a whole list of everything I know I need to get done. Uh, only putting things on that list, by the way, that are important to me anyway. And uh, in other words, I don't build my tasks around serving other people's desires. <laughs> if someone asks me to do something, I consider whether or not that's something I, I want to do. And then I put it on the list, sure. but, uh, moving it onto the calendar is what gets it done. And, you know, scheduling podcast interviews, for example, like I have a, I have scheduling software. I use, you can book me. Uh-huh. And, um, it's, that's been amazing because 
it looks at my calendar and says, okay, these are the slots that are open and these are the slots that are blocked. So choose, you know, guest uh, from this list of available slots. And uh, I don't have to worry about overlapping stuff. I mean, as, as, as my guests book their spot, that spot gets taken on my calendar and I can't book anything at it. And that's perfect, right? So as simple as it is, those two tools have revolutionized the way I organize my time. And they help me write more books and write faster because I also – my process, by the way, is I get up in the mornings. I take my dog out now. <laughs> we have a dog now. Um, and I'll do dishes. I'll, I'll, I'll do everything I need to do to, to kind of rev up for the morning. Then I do my reading I, and uh, study. I do a Bible study that I you – know, because I'm a Christian, so I, I do what recharges my faith. Um, I have uh, – typically we'll read a chapter a day from a book that is motivational to me to this this past week it's literally been the motivation manifesto (laughs) brendan burchard's burchard's uh book um all that stuff happens usually within the space of like two hours and then i i do my writing and then by nine o'clock i'm pretty much done with all the kevin stuff for the day that isn't podcasting or whatever Uh Uh, and I can do some work for draft to digital at that point. I generally start my draft to digital day at 9 a.m. And so, and I get up at 4 a.m. If it helps put this in perspective, I, wow. every day I get before. <laughs> so, uh, uh, that's, it's, it, for a time things got insane. Um, and I was getting up at four and spending four hours writing, um, trying to keep up with, you know, the demands of what I was doing. And I think that was good time for me. But now it's slowly evolved. And uh, if I'm done with tasks for the day and I've got more writing I want to do, as long as I've hit my work count for the day, I'm free and clear. But if I want to do some more writing, then I can pick up and and do a little more writing. But uh, most of my day gets taken care of before noon. Mm -hmm. Well, what I hear you saying, too, it's it's not about what tools you use. It's it's about doing something that yeah it's about the discipline and yeah because uh, uh, understanding how you yourself work yeah. too by the way yeah and i think knowing yourself and, yeah. and i think we get too caught up in what tool you know as if the tool is going to do it for you you know if i just get the right tools and it's going to magically you know hit my word count um, right but if you write it on your hand or a sticky note or you know on your face or um mm-hmm. whatever it is to say these are the, the three things i need to do today um, and then go after those things. And I think there's also some wisdom in just doing the hard thing first. Some, I mean, people talk about yeah. it all the time. It's like, what's the, what's the hardest thing? Um, you know, and it yeah. might be writing those words, you know, cause that might be a, a, a slog later in the day or just, it's just hard in general. I mean, it's not well, even- there's a, I've interviewed Chris Fox a number of times on various podcasts mm-hmm. and he has a favorite quote from Mark Twain, um, that I now steal, uh, liberally, but it, it's, uh, if you have to eat a toad, it's best to eat it first thing in the morning. <laughs> right. And, uh, and so that's what this can be like. Um, there's another famous quote and I think it's Ann Dillard who said, um, I, I hate writing, but I love having written. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a tendency to, to get a little ahead of ourselves. Like we, you know, authors are dreamers and we love the idea of there's a bestselling book out there with our name on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then having to actually sit down and write that book is tedious and uh, time consuming and painful or it can be. Um, But then an amazing thing kind of happens when you develop a discipline around this stuff. Um, For, for the decades I dreaded sitting down and writing 
uh, even though I loved it. I dreaded the the process of sitting and writing long form, in other words. Um, the idea of writing a book seemed impossible to me. And and it really – there was – I have all my old journals, and in, in one entry, um, I, uh, I wrote that my goals, right? And one of my goals was uh, I'm going to find two hours a week to write. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and and I, I think about that now. I'm like, how quaint, you know? I mean, <laughs> right. like, I, I I appreciate what young Kevin was trying to do. Young Kevin saw the value of setting aside time to write. Um, but present day Kevin sort of cringes at the very idea of only having two hours a week in which I'm writing. Like I, granted, if you've only got two hours a week to do the writing, do it. Mm-hmm. You know. People people have busy lives. I, I get it, mm-hmm. but uh, if you can't find time to write five hundred words in a day, mm-hmm. I mean, you you text more than that in a yeah. day. You yeah. know, you email. you have <laughs> right email right. right. And, and if you can, and I I preach this in thirty day that you should treat email and text messages and social media updates, everything you write should, should be treated as practice mm-hmm. of the craft. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, you should always write intentionally and uh, everything you write. But if your goal is to be a writer, everything you write should be intentional. But if you if you can sit down and write 500 words a day, it, it's not going to take you – you might take two or three years to write a book, but you're going to have a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the momentum of that, when you get into a habit of, of just sitting down and to write even just 500 words a day, in no time – it's gonna it's gonna start feeling so easy to you, and you're gonna enjoy it so much that you're gonna have these sessions where you wrote. I just wrote ten thousand words today, or something. Right. You know, you're gonna have those. Yep. So. Yeah, it's it's a muscle. I mean, it's a muscle you exercise, and yeah. and I, and yeah. I think too, like story when you're writing fiction, especially nonfiction, can be a little more technical, a little more tedious. But right. but fiction, I think you know, for me, when when I get kind of towards the back half of the book, like when it's getting like really exciting, right? Um, I write some crime thrillers and some other stuff but um i i can't stop like i i just like I, what's gonna happen right. next like what what you know is this guy gonna die or is this i mean it's like i'm the reader now and i'm just i'm yeah. burning through words and i you know so excited so are, and i it's almost a, uh, yeah go ahead are you a plotter or a pantser um i'm a a pantser who wants to be a plotter but i don't think you're i a, ever will be so you're a plotzer yeah i <laughs> yeah i had libby hawker on uh few weeks ago and you know she didn't convince me but um i've read her book and i i've tried i it's just i like i do an outline and then i i I just don't use it like it's just funny like i'm like i wasted all this time and i'm over in the weeds somewhere but i think i I think it's still a good exercise i and i i do a sort of hybrid thing every now and then Mm -hmm. um i have been a pantser all my career i just that's you know i spent most of my career as a copywriter so you have to know how to write on the fly was scant yep, research, yep. you know, yep. but, uh, I, you know, I, recently I've started transitioning back to Scrivener. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been writing in Ulysses for a while. Okay. Every, anyone listening, by the way, I highly recommend both so- pieces of software. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I love Ulysses. Um, but I recently dipped back into Scrivener for a reason that I cannot recall, but I got this wave of nostalgia over uh, over the whole thing because that's where most of my work was produced uh-huh. over the past uh, you know ten years or so, uh-huh. and uh, I, I'm going back through um, uh, Joseph Michael's uh, Learn Scribner Fast course to refresh my memory and uh-huh. you know and, and like you I've had I've had Libby Hawker I've had Joseph Michael I've had a bunch of people on my show uh-huh. 
and uh, there's a part of me that really legitimately wants to to plot, <laughs> to, to sit down and outline, and then I get about a quarter of the way through it, and I get too excited, and I start writing the book. Um, yeah. So I've got that kind of hybrid thing going yeah. sometimes. Well, you know, and I, honestly, I don't think anyone really is a is a pantser. And, and here's what I mean: is like if you don't just because you don't write it down. I think yeah. in our heads, we're thinking outline, we're thinking story, we're thinking character, we're thinking, you know, we may not have the ending figured out right. or whatever, but, you know, like I'm, when I write a series, I have these characters so in my head and I love when they talk and I love, like, stuff just comes out and I'm like, I don't need to outline. I mean, I, I, I kind of know, okay, here's here's an idea, here's maybe a story, right. you know, a premise, but when, I just want to get the characters in a room and just figure out what they're going to do and, and say. And, um, yeah. So, you know, everybody's different. I mean, I... I you know, I listen to Stephen King and Lee Child and Dean Wesley Smith. Yeah. They're, they're all pantsers, and right. you know, they they kind of swear by it. You know, um, Elmore Leonard was a pantser. Um, right. You know, he's just like I don't want to be bored. I mean, that's part of it too. Like I, you know, writing's not my only income, and so it's like, but I I do it because I love it and I'm excited about right. it. And I don't want to just have everything kind of laid out. And I know everyone's like, oh, you'll get in a corner and this and that. Hasn't really been my experience. I think my corner has always been. Um, more the mental side or the lack of, you know, enthusiasm or, um, right. not where the story's going. I think it's just like, you're talking about discipline and going, yeah. Oh, I'm just going to look at Facebook for a little longer. You know, I, I honestly think that, um, most of us are born storytellers anyway. Uh, we, we know the natural rhythms of story. I think what we do is, uh, we let all the outside stuff kind of get in and, and clog our brain and distract us and intimidate us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the the key here is to like marketing. I mean, you want to do the things that work best for you, um, like organizing your time. Same deal. Right. So if you are good at sitting down, like Nick is great at sitting down and writing out an outline. I am great at taking his outline and making it a mm-hmm. book. And we both work great together mm-hmm. when we do that. Um, yep. If you come to a point in your writing where you are stymied and you just don't know what to do next, mm-hmm. there's nothing at all wrong with sitting down and plotting from that point. Oh, just, yeah. Yep. You know, and, and that can actually help break through the muddy middle, yep. you know, to, to get you past the hump uh, so that you're uh, – because it, it, it engages a different part of your brain. You know, outlining is a logical process, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not that writing in general isn't a logical process. It's just that we're we're calling on logic as a sort of – crutch rather than as the primary tool uh when we're pantsing you know and uh if you are if you find yourself in a in a place where either you don't know where to start you don't know where how to continue or you don't know how to finish it can be very helpful to to just switch gears Mm -hmm. um if you want to be a prolific writer i mean this is these are resources you need to you need to have as many tools on your belt as possible in other words like you're it's perfectly fine to to even though you proudly proclaim, I am a plotter, I am a pantser, I am whatever, um, it's perfectly fine to shift gears, change your identity slightly when it's necessary in order to get the work done because yep. the goal is get the work done. Yep. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I my last book, I just finished up a third book in a series in the last probably 10 chapters i just beat i beat them out i mean i had just sent 10 sentences this is gonna happen right. this is gonna because i was kind of i was a little bit stuck a little bit kind of like okay yeah it goes here and then 
and then these ideas started coming and I go, Oh, I got it. And then I just, I mean, I blitzed through it. I mean, having kind of the, you know, of course it went here and there, but, um, yeah, I don't think, you know, we need to get caught up in the, you know, how detailed and how, you know, attend. I think sometimes we use outlining as an excuse not to write. And so we, you know, we'll outline it for, you know, I've been working on this outline for a year, you know, and it's like, okay, well, where's, where's the book, you know, and it's going to be awesome, you know? And, and so I think you got to do whatever you need to do to get going. I mean, that's right. Isn't that kind of what we're saying? Yeah. Yeah. To get, get the, pen on paper honestly you know i think people use perfection as an excuse not to write yes and um outlining often goes hand in hand with that concept um you know i have a good good friend of mine who's been writing the same book for the past 10 years (laughs) and uh every time we see each other you know oh i mean we were just talking about this morning i i asked him if he had any interest i said i will pay for it i will pay for your (laughs) learn scribner fast course but if you have any interest i will set you up with with scribner and um, and and teach you how to use it, and then you can use that to crank out this book, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but not that I think that the software is magic and will help him. I just think it would help him a great deal to shift the way he thinks about the book. Right. But you know, he has no interest in that. Right. I what he has an interest in is is being able to say, "I'm writing a book." Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that, unless your goal is to actually have a book out <laughs> available for people to read. There's nothing wrong with perpetually being the guy who's writing a book. Right. It, it's it's all in your goals, you know. Yep. So. so let me uh, just we're kind of getting to the end here, but um, this is always an interesting question for me and for those that listen. Is you know you talked a lot about um, you know word count, you know putting it yeah. on, on the calendar, all those kinds of things. One question that's always interesting to me is how do you determine in your own career, in your own books, in your own publishing, what series to work on next, what book to work on next? I mean, where does that kind of play in your, your own strategy? I mean, is it more of just a, what I'm passionate about? You know, I, w- I want to write nine books yeah. in a series. I want to do this. I want to do that. So how do you yeah. kind of – have you been kind of thinking through that? You know, I, it used to be all about what what am I interested in and uh, it still is to a degree. Um this concept of right to market is something I think is is smart. If your goal is, uh, I'm building a business to make money, you know, you want to create for a specific market. I think people uh, sort of skew the the uh, definition of right to market. By the way, I think a lot of people think you're chasing a market. Um, right. You know, vampire sparkly vampire novels are hot, so I'm going to write sparkly vampire right, right. novels. But I I think it's more along the lines of, I have a I want to target this readership. They like sparkly vampire novels, but they also like, you know, uh, historic vampire novels or whatever. Sure, they, sure. they like something. Right. Uh, that's right to market. Knowing your knowing your audience and knowing how to produce for them. Mm-hmm. So I've recently, and I'm by recently in the past year, um, come to grips with this <laughs> because I write a lot of different. I, I'm a genre hopper, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think I'll ever necessarily stop that because I. I have too many ideas that I just love, but I've gotten into a rhythm now. I recently, in the past year, started publishing um, my Dan Kotler books, mm-hmm. which are uh, thrillers, and they're sort of misplaced history is the uh, concept behind them. They're, they generally involve a crime or a potential crime, you know, a terrorist action, something along those lines. So Dan Kotler is kind of my um, – uh, it's a Da Vinci Code-style thriller – Honestly, uh, he's sort of my Jack Reacher character, but he's not, he's not, he's more of an intellectual badass. Um, mm-hmm. but 
So I've got that series, and that's my, we'll call it my bread and butter series now. You know, those books sell better than anything else I write. They have a broader appeal than anything else I write. They're easier to market. Mm-hmm. Um, but the key, the key in that <laughs> is that I love the characters and I love this, the type of story. I love the genre. Mm-hmm. If I didn't feel passionate about that work, I couldn't keep it up. But that is my right to market work. Okay, that was a dare from Nick. Uh, I bring up Nick a lot because Nick and I are, are sort of accountability partners, sure. and we're also you know bros. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, and I could go on a whole tangent, by the way, of how uh, relationships form in this business. But uh, <laughs> Nick dared me to write a thriller because he knew I could do it, and once I wrote a thriller. I was astonished at the at the results I got. Mm-hmm. So I, I wrote the next one. But what I've decided is, okay, um, strategically, I love writing cross-genre. Mm-hmm. But it's not a very good way to build an author career quickly. It's a slow path to success, mm-hmm. okay? Um, but I'm enjoying some success from these thrillers, and I happen to be writing to market with that work. So my pace now is to write a thriller... Uh, market it, publish it, and then write something else I enjoy in between writing the next thriller, you know? And and so I'll keep doing that and alternating so that every other book is a passion project while I'm also maintaining the momentum of, of my mainstay uh, career. And I don't know how long Dan Kotler will go on and until I get, until I run out of, you know, misplaced history ideas, uh, basically. Um, but I don't think it's – frankly, I don't think it will ever end. I think what will happen is uh, one day I may stop writing them for a decade, um, and then I'll be watching Discovery Channel and come up with an idea for a new one, and I'll write a new one. But as long as I'm pro- continuing to produce work, my readership's going to be happy. Those readers who are dedicated to Dan Kotler will be happy with every other book. <laughs> you know, So that's a, there's a strategy there. Um, I think passion is important, but I think we place way too much emphasis on passion. Um, it's not, you, you really should, there's an idea, there's a book out right now, I'm, I'm, I just read it, um, so good they can't ignore you. Um, pick that book up and read it with an eye towards, uh, how it applies to your career as an author, because it mentions a concept called, uh, career capital, which means, you know, going off and, and instead of chasing your passion, you're actually building a career around, um, the, the, skills and talents and resources and connections that you already have and finding your passion within that work as authors we can do that by writing to market in this specific way writing books that are um, in line with the things that we're interested in but researching and finding the market that will support that so don't create a product unless you know someone's going to buy it in other words right. which is marketing one-on-one right and I, I hear you saying a couple of things that I think are really important, especially if you people read like Chris Fox writing to market and things. As I think they right. think, you know, he, oh, he's writing sci-fi because that's hot, but he actually loves sci-fi and he, he loves, loves sci-fi. Yeah, right. and so it, you know, it's hot, but he likes to write it. I mean, if he didn't write it, it would you would know that you would know. I mean, it, it would sound yeah. weird and clunky and you know, but he knows kind of that. I mean, it sounds like yours too, even though you say you know, it's not really about passion, but it is passionate about these characters, the story. And yet it's a market that appeals to a lot of people and it's something you enjoy writing. And so you're going to keep 
keep going because it's there. Like you, you want to see right. what the characters are going to do, and you want. And I think that's what a lot of people get really confused by is writing a market is just some kind of shady, unethical, you know, yeah, going and you know scamming Amazon, selling and going, out, find, yeah, finding some <laughs> yeah. obscure subgenre, you know, vampires with one leg that have blue eyes, and you know, I'm going to write to that, and yeah, um, but it's really not that, and, uh, and I think that's that's really important. Um, no, it's you know I've worked in the creative industry my entire life um, in one capacity or another. I mean, uh, uh, copywriting, filmmaking, you know, TV, whatever, right? Uh, and the thing is, you can if you can find yourself in these channels. Um, take graphic design for example. You're, you're a graphic designer, and you're you know the tendency is to want to go and create art, you know, and we think of everything that isn't that art as being not art. Except that when you get into that work, and I've I know I've been a designer. I've known so many designers. They all end up thinking this way when they get into it, and they start seeing that their work has impact and influence on people, and it, they can actually practice their craft within boundaries. It's boundaries and guidelines sometimes that make our work even more attractive, make our work stand out even more. Knowing that you have to to create in this constricted space makes you even more creative. So what you're doing by writing to market is going out and narrowing and creating rules, okay? You're narrowing your focus. You're creating rules for your writing. You're saying, I have, I have to produce books in this genre because these people um, are a market that I, um, that I like, okay? You have to like your work. But these people represent a market that can support me and I can, now I have these restrictions, but I can create within those restrictions. And then you find passion. That's how you find passion. So suddenly you're writing thrillers, you're writing sci-fi, you know, space opera stories or whatever. Um, you're writing to market because you know there's a market for it, but you can get so creative within that, that market and right. stand out. Yes, that's, that's, that's the key. goal. Yeah, you have your own voice. I mean, that's, that's what I think people forget is like, but whatever book you write or I write or whoever – it's it's your own voice. I mean, no one's telling new stories. They're just telling it with a new voice. You know, right. I mean, thrillers, sci-fi, what have you. It's a different character. It's a different setting. It's a different voice, and that's what makes it unique. Yeah. You know, um, exactly right. Yeah, that's huge. So, one question I'd love to leave with our audience is advice for aspiring writers uh, or even veteran boxers. Right, <laughs> Box- oh, oh. oh, yeah, boxers or briefs. <laughs> Um, what would you kind of leave? Just someone starting out, someone just getting rolling here. Obviously, they need to sign up for Draft to Digital. That's uh, no brainer. Uh, <laughs> but should, but other than should. that, yeah. What advice do I give new authors? Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, there's so there's so many pearls of wisdom I would give new authors. But we've given uh, us a lot. But yeah, <laughs> yes. I and I, I hate that I'm going to say this because it's so typical. But the 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 key is write every single day. Mm. And uh, whether you're writing fiction, nonfiction, blog posts, journal entries, I, I use an app called Day One to journal every single day. Write something on Wattpad, on Medium, whatever. Pick something and stay focused, but write every single day. Mm, that's, um, that's the that's the number one pearl of wisdom I could ever offer yeah. any author. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's it's right on. It's again, it's it's like exercise. It's a muscle you have to kind of keep. You know, and I—I I don't know about you, but I find when I don't, um, you have to kind of ramp up again. I mean, especially yeah. if you take a few weeks, few months off. Like sometimes I get burned out after a book. Um, yeah. It's sometimes hard to get back into it, kind of flexing that you know, muscle if, again. If you're finding yourself getting burned out, um, 
what you what you need to do is shift gears. Not not don't pause from the writing. Pause from what you're writing. Mm. Um, if mm. you just finished a book and you are burned out, you can't face the page to write another book. Go go look at Medium. Go look at start a blog. Do something, but. Um, make sure, or just keep a journal and write about your feelings or whatever. But make sure you you are keeping the edge on that on that sword every day. Um, I I can't stress it enough because it's it, what happens is like you said we'll take a break from it because we're exhausted, mm-hmm. right? But um, it's like when you exercise every day and you pull a muscle and you you don't exercise for a week or a month or whatever, you can't roll right back in at mm-hmm. the same level. Mm-hmm. You, you just can't. Right. Uh, you have to start. You have to start again from the beginning, and and it's harder than you remember. Mm-hmm. Um, that's working against yourself. But if you pulled that muscle and you said, okay, for the next, you know, two weeks while this heals, I'm not going to do lower body. I'm only going to do upper body. And I'm saying this as probably one of the fattest people around. Okay, <laughs> so I'm just using it as an example. But um, switch gears. Work on something else. Work. If you can't, if you've burned yourself out on your fiction for uh, for a while, spend some time writing some some emails that would market your work. Yep. Spend some time writing blog posts about your topic, wh- mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but always make sure that you're writing yeah. something. Five hundred words minimum. You should be right. writing five hundred words a day minimum. Yeah, I find I've heard too a lot of authors saying you know fiction, nonfiction, kind of going from one to the others, kind of can cleanse the palate a little bit too. Yeah. You know, it's a different kind of muscle, different kind of brain, you know. Well, it can definitely inspire you. Yeah. Um, you'll find new ideas. And do, you know, write about the things you're reading. And yeah. now there's a there's a double, yep. uh, I, I guess, well, double benefit, I guess. You should always be reading something. Sure. So pick up a new book every every time you finish a book. Go, go immediately and pick up another book. Mm-hmm. Use bookstores, libraries, Kindle Unlimited, whatever works for you. But yep. um, immediately start reading a new book and then... Write about what you're reading each day. That that that'll keep your sword sharp. Especially Kevin Tumlinson books. That's obvious. <laughs> so get his books. Write about them on your blog, and then tell him, and he'll give you yeah. money. Link, he'll link give you money. Um, and then la- money. <laughs> lastly, uh, <laughs> what are you working on, and how can we find you? I am. Uh, I got a couple of different books in work in wor- the works right now. I'm uh, finishing up my Sawyer Jackson series. Um, I, uh, I promised that book. It's been a couple of years since I switched gears to different genres <laughs> and left that series behind, but I'm finishing that up. Uh, I'm writing another Dan Kotler book, which I'm excited about for draft to digital. We are, man, we're rolling out a bunch of cool stuff soon. I, it, it kills me as a marketer to not be able to just specifically talk about what we're doing, but let me just tease it and say, tease us. Um, you need to get involved with draft to digital <laughs> as soon as possible because there is some cool, cool crap coming man and uh i can't emphasize that enough so those are the biggies you you can find me by the way uh go to draft number two digital.com for for those services Mm -hmm. uh and visit kevin tomlinson.com you can find me and everything i do perfect yep all kinds of good content podcasts books you name it he does does it all i'm obsessed with it yeah and he's (laughs) driving around the country in an rv so that's yeah. even cooler. But uh, hey, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on the show. And this was jam packed with all kinds of good inspiration, information, and hopefully good. it'll help a lot of people. So really good. Thanks for uh, making the time. You got it, man. Anybody uh, ever need anything? I'm a email away. Just re- just reach out. Perfect. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. 
Thanks for stopping by the Prolific Writer Podcast. Please leave a review on iTunes so we can help more writers share their stories with the world. And head over to rockhousepublishing.com for books, resources and other writing and publishing tips. See you next time.